Well, friend, I have an incredible episode for you today. I'm interviewing my friend, Caitlin Mitchell, who is the co-founder of EB Academics. And you may be wondering, well, what is EB Academics? What if I told you that they have a membership of over 3,000 people and they maintain a 97 to a 98% retention rate? Would you want to know how she's doing that? Well, that's what she's going to be talking about in this episode. And I have just a little bit of a teaser for you. It has more to do with the culture and the identity that they've established inside of their community than it does with what they're actually delivering. So Caitlin is going to give us all the juicy details. And one of the things that I love about this episode is you are going to get her passion full on for what she does. And she's going to leave you at the very end of the episode with one really important tactic, one really important mindset piece that you need to have in place in order to implement the three strategies that she shares. So you do not want to miss this episode and make sure to listen to the whole interview so you don't miss that last tip. This is for you, the online business owner who wants to maximize your profit and multiply your impact. I'm Shanna, host of the Community Creators Podcast. I've spent over a decade helping top brands and entrepreneurs create thriving communities that increase their reach, retention, and revenue. This podcast is where I share my best insights and invite you into conversations with the world's leading community creators and cultivators. So grab your favorite mug, fill it up, and let's get started. Friends, I have a treat for you today because I have my friend, Caitlin Mitchell, here with us. So Caitlin is the co-founder and CEO of EB Academics. Now, what is that? That is a program that serves ELA middle school teachers, so English language arts middle school teachers. She had done that for many years along with her co-founder, Jessica, and they got together and said, hey, we think we can help teachers like us. So now they help them by providing not only really engaging and rigorous curriculum for them, but really helping them transform what's possible for them outside of the classroom when they have this kind of support for what they're doing inside of the classroom. And we're going to talk today about the community that they've formed. And there's this differentiating factor that they have that makes people in their community stay longer and it creates more connection because they're not just joining a membership, but there's this little nuance that Caitlin's going to be talking about that's so important. And then we're going to share some tips on how you can do this inside of your programs as well. Caitlin, hello. It's so good to see you, friend. Yay. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be on the podcast with you. And congratulations to you. I'm loving your podcast and listening and learning from you. It's just been so wonderful. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I know you, your team have been a part of my program before and we just like were voxering about the results that you all were getting. And I'm like, okay, you have to come and talk about this on the podcast, not to like toot my horn or anything, but because you really embraced the culture piece of what I teach. And so we're going to talk a lot about that and deep dive into the culture, how that has really grown inside of your community and what the results of that have been. But first, I want to start out the way I always do, which is talking to you about your favorite community that you've ever been a part of that isn't your own. Tell me what that community was and what you loved about that community. Yeah, when you told me you were going to ask me this question, I immediately had my answer. And hands down, it's Peloton. The Peloton app is my favorite community um, for a multitude of reasons. But I think the number one thing is that they do breed this like innate change in who you are. 
you know, it's not just working out. It's about your mindset. It's about mental toughness. It's about pushing yourself to the next level, the next cut of who you are. And so I love that they are speaking into my identity piece as an athlete, as a person, as someone who works out. It's not just a, hey, here are some exercises. It's so much more than that. And that's what I love. I just love Peloton. Yeah. And if people are not familiar with Peloton, they're like, isn't that like a bike or something? (laughs) Well, they have, they have the bike, they have the treadmill, they have the app. I was a member of the app for a while, but they really do have this really strong culture. And they've done that through gamification and all sorts of other culture aspects. In fact, they're one of the businesses that I love like hacking to see what they're doing. They do something that I really love that they do is they do this annual report of progress that you've made inside of the app and all the different things that you've accomplished. And here's a little secret that a lot of people don't know because most people stay Peloton members. Well, if you cancel your membership, and I know because I canceled mine, you still get a report that year with what you did. And it's like, you could have done all of these other things had you continued to be a member. Why don't you like pick your momentum back up? but you still get the annual report, like your personalized annual report, which I thought was so cool. They do amazing things. I love that you're a part of that community. Okay. Tell me about EB Academics. You talked about you serve ELA teachers. What what does that even mean for most of us (laughs) lay people out there? And then tell me a little bit about what's unique about this community. Yeah. um, Well, you did a great job explaining, you know, who we are and, and what we do. And, you know, I think at the core of it, Our goal is to help teachers love teaching. You know, especially right now, we're coming off of a really difficult two and a half years. Education is just a very challenging place to be. And, you know, for a long time before we had our membership, before we had our program, we have have two different things that exist at our monthly membership and then a program that's a a one-off, you know, single payment. And before we did that, we had just singular teaching resources, a $5 resource here, a $5 resource there. And that was great. Sure, we were helping teachers, but we weren't fundamentally changing like their belief in themselves and who they are and really allowing them to enjoy this profession. It was like a quick fix to solve something. It wasn't this whole shift in belief of self and identity and really, truly allowing them to love the profession in the way that we want to. So I was actually listening to, it must have been Stu, talking about memberships. And I went to Jessica, I'm like, we have to start a membership. Like there is no better way that we're going to be able to change education than to be able to support teachers every single month, every single day on an ongoing basis. And really that's kind of the birth of where this stemmed from was this need to really make this shift in education beyond just providing a resource here or a resource there. Yeah. So you decided to do a membership because you knew that you could have a bigger impact. And I love that because I'm not sure if you know, but my husband used to be a middle school math teacher. Oh, I didn't know that. And yeah. So I know that as a teacher, you can't just leave work at work. It overflows into everything that you do. And I can only imagine during the season that we were just in as a country and how that impacted our teachers how that overflowed and impacted their personal lives and their families as well. So for you all to have a community where you're not just looking at how can we fast track, how can we save time for teachers, right? There's a lot of communities out there that's like, how can we save time? But you're like, how can we make you really love your job? So not only are they showing up more fully in the classroom, which has a bigger impact on the students, but because they love their job, they're not drained and exhausted when they get home at the end of the day, which allows them to show up more fully at home too. I would imagine that's what you experience. 
Yes. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. And it's so interesting because, I mean, I don't know if this was your husband's experience, but teaching is such a huge identity piece for people. You know, like if you're a teacher, that's how you identify. I'm a teacher. You know, I I lose all of those other parts of who I am because it is so all-encompassing. You know, it's such a profession that I think a lot of people are called to or feel like, you know, I'm going to get to make an impact in the world and I'm going to change kids' lives. It's a very purpose, like mission-driven profession. And so I think it's hard for a lot of teachers sometimes to be given feedback on their teaching because it's kind of like you're giving feedback on who they are, you know, because who they are and, and teaching are intertwined just so, so deeply. Um, so that's something that we've really gotten to work with and solve is how do we do that and fundamentally change teaching and teachers through their identity? Because that's that's at the end of the day, really what it is, is that identity piece of who they are as teacher. And then like you mentioned, ultimately, like who they are as person outside of the classroom, like we're going to work on this one piece together and we're going to help support the entire you who you are as mom, who you are as partner, who you are as sister, who you are as daughter, who you are as self. Like, do you have hobbies? You know, when I was a teacher, I didn't even know what my hobbies even were because it was so teaching focused. Um, So that's a huge part of what we get to do as well and offer in our community. So we're going to be talking a lot about culture and identity in this episode, but just to give people a little bit of context, and I'm aware of this because a lot of friends who are teachers. My wonderful assistant is a retired teacher. My husband is a former retired teacher. Talk a little bit about what the typical culture is for teachers, especially in the online space, because I know it's typically not this like life-giving, encouraging culture. So what would people typically find inside of a teaching community online? Yeah. Unfortunately, what we see you know, outside of our EB teacher bubble or EB teacher community, is just a lot of negativity and a lot of, you know, self-doubt and dislike for the profession and burnout and just a lot of like feeding into this negative narrative that no one is saying is not a reality. No one is saying that there aren't obscene expectations from districts and parents aren't crazy because all of those things are a reality but I love to look at moments like that. And we, we tell our teachers this too of, yes, there's this system that exists of education that we can't quite frankly do a whole heck of a lot about unless you're going to go into politics, unless you're going to be the superintendent. And even then, you're going to run into a multitude of roadblocks. But what we can do is we can control how we respond to the system at large. We can control the type of system that we get to create to insulate ourselves ultimately from the system that we're up against. And I think a lot of teachers who aren't a part of our world or who are really struggling through this, unfortunately find themselves kind of in these waters and in this culture of just this negative narrative as opposed to someone saying, hey, guess what? we might be able to do something differently. They're getting an echo chamber of, yeah, teaching sucks. Yeah, teaching's awful. And again, like no one's saying that that those feelings aren't valid because they 100% are. Like I was there. I quit. I left teaching three and a half years into the first, you know, into my first three and a half years teaching. I went back later. I've been to the dark side of corporate America and I'm like, this is awful. Teaching is so much better and more purposeful. But I was disillusioned with education very much in the same way. And I think it's because I didn't have that community. I didn't have that support. I didn't have those people around me to show me 
hey, we can see things and look at things a little bit differently than what you maybe have been conditioned to believe so far. So tell me about the culture that you and Jessica have worked so hard to create inside of EB academics. Like what makes somebody an EB teacher? Yeah, that's such a great question. I love that. We spent a lot of time as a part of the onboarding experience for our EB teachers, really starting to shape this new identity of what's possible for themselves. You know, I was a high school athlete at a very high level. I played basketball. I was a basketball coach. I coached varsity girls basketball. And I think so many of those principles that come from sports of what it means to be like a part of a team, like working toward this common goal and building this community and this culture we've been able to kind of take and make that a part of what we do. And so as a as a community, we have this common goal. We have this common mission together that our goal is to make teaching enjoyable, is to be able to leave school at 3.15 and spend time with your family, is to be able to make teaching just a part of who you are, not the entirety of your existence. And so when we are all working toward this goal together, these teachers come into our world and they're like, wow, I'm a part of something so much bigger than myself. I'm a part of this movement, right? Like it isn't about me. It's about what I get to contribute to this beautiful thing that we're all working toward together. So when someone joins our community, those very first few onboarding videos that we've learned from you and took and implemented, so thank you so much, are all a part of that. What does it mean to be an EB teacher? And we talk about our core values as a company. And we ask our EB teachers like, hey, if you want to be here, the expectation is that these core values get to be a part of who you are now as a teacher. We're no longer going to complain about teachers. Yeah, we can be upset 100%. You can have a terrible experience with a parent and you can come in and you can ask for feedback from us. How would you handle this situation so that we can take a very challenging situation, which is incredibly common in education, and we can provide you with a positive support with a growth-oriented mindset. So we work through all of our core values, which are the wow factor, positivity, growth-oriented, getting stuff done, which is a huge part of what we teach our teachers as well, and then integrity and honesty. And I think that spending time up front at the very beginning, at the very like infancy of their experience with us is so integral to helping shape them into the teacher like that they want to be, they just don't quite know how to get there. I love this because I talk so much about having that common cause and that important part of having everybody there aligned around a common purpose. Then we talk a lot about the culture piece and how onboarding is so important for both of those. So if you're unfamiliar with this concept of common cause or culture, Episodes one and two of the podcast. That's 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 how important it is. Go back to one and two. That's cause and culture. And obviously, we talk a lot about onboarding. But you're so right, and this becomes even more true because the stronger your culture is, the harder it is for people to feel like they can become a part of that culture. So your onboarding becomes even more essential. And you have done such a great job of making sure that the onboarding isn't just like. Where do I log in and how do I find the Facebook group and all that kind of stuff that's just basic? I mean, if you don't have that, please at least get that in place. But you've looked at this and said, who do we want them to identify as and what do we want to help them become? And that's important for them and them seeing what's possible inside of your program. But 
it's also important for you and and the good of the community as a whole because you've basically gotten buy-in on the boundaries of that community from the beginning, which is a big reason why you've mentioned this to me before, but people stay in your community so much longer because they can't find another teacher community like that online because they want this positive environment and you all have set those boundaries such early on and you do such a good job upholding them, which is easier to do when you've set them that you can really nurture that culture. It's not just lip service of this is who we are. It's like, no, actually, we are going to hold you to a higher standard inside of this community because when we are all held to a higher standard and we experience this kind of community, that's where we really start to live out this identity as an EB teacher. Yeah, and I want to say actually one other thing that goes along with that is, yes, that's our expectation of our teachers and it comes from us internally too as a team. Like that's the culture of EB academics. That's the culture of everybody who works for us. So our community managers who are in the Facebook group every single day, you know, Jess, can I pop in? So does the rest of the team. But there is a very clear expectation of how we interact and what it means to work for Team EB. It's like this sacred thing that I get to be a part of this incredibly special team at EB that now I get to impact these teachers. So our community managers are such wonderful teachers themselves, yes, and because they themselves embody what it means to be an EB teacher, even just being a part of our team is so important. So like you're right in that, yes, 100%, it is in our community. And I think that, you know, sometimes we say things as CEOs like, oh, these are our core values, but we don't actually live them out the way that we should or the way that we get to. And at our team, like that is so important. We talk about it every single Monday at our team meetings. We go over our core values. We call each other out on the team of who exemplified what core value and when. It is just so foundational to the culture that we're creating everywhere that emanates out from that. This is such an important piece. So I'm glad you added it because you can't create a culture that you're not living out yourself. And I know that this is true for you because I've seen your job descriptions and your job descriptions are like magazines of marketing, but they're also very clear on what EBA academics is, the culture of EBA academics and the kind of individual that you want on your team. So the job description itself is like this, you know, filter that quickly gets people weeded out if they're not going to align. And obviously having worked with your team, I know. I know that they're amazing people and you guys really cultivate a strong culture. So huge props to you all on doing that. So before we get into some specific details on the how of creating this kind of identity for your members, give some context around your program. Like how many people are in your membership? What is the price of your membership and what's your retention rate? Because we have people on here that have masterminds that have 10 people and a $20,000 mastermind. We have some people who have programs that are a couple hundred bucks a month and they have a few hundred people in there. So just for context, talk a little bit about the price of your membership, how many members you have, and then what your retention rate is. And I know your retention rate has gone up since you've implemented a lot of this work, which is awesome. So first, I want to say that I don't think it matters whether you have 10 people, 1,000 people, 10,000 people. I still think all of what we're talking about matters deeply. So to answer your question, we have currently the most number of members we've ever had, the most number of teachers that we get to impact in their students' lives, which is really, that's like the secondarily favorite part of mine. I I know I did not say that properly, but that we have, yes, 3,700 teachers in our membership. 
But each of those teachers teaches anywhere from 30 to 120 students. Like the ripple effect of what we get to have in the world is just really cool. So we have about 3,700 members in our membership right now, EB Teachers, and our price point's $33 a month. But our Facebook group actually has over 5,100 teachers in it because we have both our membership and our program in the same place. So some of our teachers are just in our, you know, standalone program and some are in just our membership and some are in both. So we have a lot of teachers in our Facebook group, in our community. So it's not even just our members that we are sharing this culture and this community with. It's also those who have joined just our standalone program. That's so good. And I'm I'm glad that you shared this because I have had people tell me, well, it's easy to do this culture work when it's a small group of people. But when your membership grows and you get 500, you get 1,000 members, like how could you possibly cultivate culture? How could you control that? Like there's just no way. And so you talking about having 5,000 people inside of this community that are owning this identity just speaks to the fact that when you get clear on this and when you indoctrinate people early on, you can build it to scale. This is scalable. You don't have to lose control, if you will, of your community because you now have a 1,000 or 5,000 members. Right. And I think, too, it's also the teacher that we attract. You know, we spend a lot of the time at the front end in our marketing. Like, we can be for every teacher if you're willing to show up and be open. But if you're not willing to show up and be open, like, we can only do so much coaching. I can only give you so much. At some point, like, you've got to step up, too. And I think that that comes across really beautifully in our marketing at the beginning and, you know, our the workshops that we do and our, our pop-up Facebook groups that go into our launches and things like that. And then the other thing that's cool that happens on the back end that I think is great when we do have a large community is we've had teachers now who've been with us since the very beginning. And they are so identified as an EB teacher. Like some of them don't even teach English anymore. They're science teachers, but they refuse to give up their membership because they want to stay in our community, which I think speaks volumes to what Stu always tells us is they come for the content, they stay for the community, you know, and they will then, you know, if a teacher posts a negative comment in the Facebook group, our team doesn't even have to do anything. Sometimes they will come on and say, hey, you know what? How about we look at this situation from a different perspective? Like no one's ever judging you. No one's ever saying, hey, you can't leave negative feedback or negative comments. It's very much a, you know, how I, I hear you. And, you know, how can we look at this differently? Like what kind of questions could you ask yourself to have a better experience from this? So our teachers who are EB teachers like through and through are also doing this community cultivation for us beyond just our team. Which is the best. I talk in my program about the the member growth path and that that last phase of the growth path is the leader. And people always say like, well, I don't have like official community leaders. And I'm like, they will show up. If you do really good at everything else, the leaders will show up. And this is exactly what you're talking about, which are those people who have really developed ownership of this identity of, of you know the program. They want the program to be successful and other people to be successful in it. So they start doing a lot of that redirection. You don't end up having to do a lot of that. So talk to me about how this has impacted your retention inside of your community, because I work with a lot of membership site owners with similar membership member sizes, well, member numbers, membership 
size. I don't, how do you say that? <laughs> With a similar number of members inside of their community, and a lot of them struggle to keep a strong retention rate, but you all have been able to keep a really strong retention rate. So talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, throughout the school year, and you know, it's interesting, I've come to like our group in the Impact Mastermind. I'm like, how can I strengthen our retention? And you guys are like, okay, I think there's a point of diminishing returns and you should probably stop. Um, but I always want like that extra one per, you know what I mean? Like I, I yeah. want people to stay with us. I want them to only leave if they're retiring or switching grade levels. Like I really don't want there to be any other reason for them to leave our community because there's something that we could do to help that teacher and to make them want to stay with us, you know? So our retention throughout the school year, I'm sorry, our churn rather is less than 3%. So generally, we're like less than two and a half percent, sometimes less than two percent. June and July are the highest turnover rates simply because especially this year, teachers are leaving the profession. You know, we looked at our numbers from June and July and 50 percent of the people that canceled simply weren't teachers anymore. They were leaving. Yeah, there's a huge teacher shortage. Yeah. So I imagine that would have an impact on you. But it's so fascinating because if you're used to hearing retention over turn, she's talking about a 97 to 98% retention rate, which is astronomical for most memberships. And even more so when you get into the thousands of members, because it gets really, really hard, especially once you get over about 2,2500 members, just statistically speaking, what I've seen with my clients is when you get past that point. Keeping your retention rate that high is so difficult, and you guys have done an amazing job, which just speaks to not only the fact that you're providing amazing content, making their life easier, it's content that they actually need, right? A lot of us think we're providing things that they need, but they don't. So you've got that covered, but then you have this community aspect where, like you said, even if they start teaching a different subject, like they're not leaving because they can't find another community of teachers like the one you've created. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. That means a lot coming from you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It is awesome. So let's, let's talk about what are some ways that people can do this inside of their own programs, whether they have five members or 5,000 members, whether they're charging $500 or $5, you know, you spoke to this. It doesn't matter. Having that culture and that identity is so important. So what do you think are some key tactics, some key strategies that they can use to create this kind of identity for their community? There are three things that I want to speak into that I think, you know, if there's anything your listeners walk away with that they could go implement, because I'll be fair, you know, we when we started this three and a half years ago, I mean, our retention, I don't honestly, I wasn't even tracking it for the first year. I That wasn't even a thing. I'm like just barely trying to survive, you know, keep my head above water. And over time, we've been able to get to this point and we've learned so much from you and implemented so many of your strategies. I mean, Brooke, who's my executive assistant and also our membership manager, and I just like eat up everything that you say. We're like, whatever Shanna says, we're just going to do it, you know? Um, and clearly it works. And I think, you know, one of the most important things that we do from the outset is the moment that they join, we are helping shape their new identity. And a very simple thing that we do is we immediately start to identify them as EB teacher. You know, we have that name and our teachers wear their like t-shirts proudly that they buy from our website that says EB teacher on it, which means nothing to anybody else. But to them, it's such an identity piece. You know, so in those onboarding videos, we have a welcome video where our team and members from our community are saying, welcome EB teacher, welcome, like immediately we are shaping this identity. So that's one thing in terms of like the onboarding is just that very true sense of, of who you now get to become. And in our welcome call, 
we talk a lot about what that means. So we'll do a welcome call with our new members. And Jessica and I will spend 30 minutes working through our core values as these now, these core values that I already mentioned, these get to become a foundational piece now of who you are as EB teacher. Like this is what it means to be an EB teacher. And we won't just say that means the wow factor. We'll give examples of what the wow factor looks like in the classroom, what that looks like for you and your planning, what that looks like for your family. Because as an EB teacher, an EB teacher doesn't work on Sundays. And so the wow factor for your family is you get to go on a bike ride and you don't have to cut it short because you have to go home and grade papers. You know, growth oriented, an example of that would be X. So we spend a lot of time like really, truly showing them what our expectation is of you and what your expectation gets to be of yourself now that you've said, hey, I'm in, I'm here, teach me your ways, I'm ready, you know? So I think that that's one thing that we can really start with that your your listeners could start with. Friend, just a quick break. Caitlin's mentioned a couple of times how she has worked with me and that's how she's gotten a lot of the results that she's talking about today. Now you may be wondering, how has she done that? Well, surprisingly, she wasn't one of my one-on-one consulting clients. So the results that she's talking about have actually come from putting somebody on her team, her membership manager, through my community training program. So that's something that's within reach for you. You can put somebody on your team or yourself through that program to learn these same concepts and strategies around culture and onboarding and customer experience that Caitlin is talking about today. So if you're not familiar with that program or you want to learn more about how to get yourself or one of your team members into that program, I just want you to go to communitycultivated.com. That's communitycultivated.com to learn about the very program that Caitlin keeps talking about. All right, back to the episode. Yeah, I, I love that you said you don't just give them a name, like you you've literally giving them given them a name, EB teacher. That's one thing. But you explain to them what does it mean to have that identity as an EB teacher and you kind of have your core values. But then you give examples of how does this actually play out for you? And those examples are so important. I talk about this in in other episodes and trainings, but story is how we remember. It's how our brain connects the dots. And so a lot of us have this like core values or a creed or whatever it is, and all those things are really good. But you taking the opportunity to really explain to them what does that mean and how does that play out for you in your profession and your personal life solidifies that even more. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting because, you know, as owners of businesses, if if you if any of your listeners have employees or have a team who works for them, I mean, that's a huge part of my interview process is sharing our core values and giving them examples of people on our team who exemplify those core values. Here's an example of Jane getting stuff done, which is one of our core values. And I ask them, can you give me examples from your life of when you've been growth-oriented, of when you've been positive in the face of adversity? And so in the same way that I interview for people joining our team, it's like I'm doing the same exact thing. We're doing the same exact thing with our EB teachers as they come into their community. It's almost like we are so protective of what we've created that Mm -hmm. no one's coming in here and being a bad seed and messing up what we've done. All right, what else What else can they be doing? One of the things that is really valuable that we have are our two community managers. And it took us a long time to get here. You know, for a while, it was me, it was Jessica, like, you know, when we were in the trenches and everything. But 
we now have two community managers and in their role, they are 100% in sync with our audience, meaning they are both classroom teachers. They are both EB teachers. They both use our resources. They both fully believe in our mission and our vision. And so I think that that was incredibly valuable in having people who work for us be in the community and be cultivating intentionally this community that they came from our community. They were like our community A players. And they just happened to write in an email one day, hey, if you ever want me to work for you, like I'm super interested. And that's how we found them and hired them. So I think finding someone perhaps from your audience, those like top-notch members to be your community managers, they're relatable. They're bought in. They are already a part of your mission and your vision, as opposed to, I think, hiring an outsider for that type of role might be a disservice to your community. I'm glad you mentioned this because I think you know this, but one of the top questions I get is like how to hire a community manager. And this conversation comes up a lot. Should I hire somebody from my community or should I hire somebody who's trained and has expertise? And I don't think there's one right way to do it. But what is very clear is like you've been saying is they have to be aligned with the values. They have to understand your community even better if they've walked through what your community is walking through and the journey that you're taking them on. That's even better. I know one of my clients, Corinne, she teaches weight loss. She's a weight loss coach, essentially. Everybody on her community team, and she has a lot of community leaders, was once a member of her program who has had success losing weight. And so when they come in as coaches or community leaders, they can speak directly to that community. And what happens is you have the the basic skills that a community manager needs that a lot of things you can't teach, right? Like oral and written and communication and just some things like that. Then you layer in, they understand the culture, they understand the community already. Now the only missing piece is how do you actually manage a community? Like, how do you actually do that? And that's a teachable skill, right? That's like what my program does, whether you're the business owner or the community manager. If you have the person that has the culture, the belief, the core values, the common cause, they get all of that. They get you. They get your voice probably too, because they've watched you live 5,000 times and listened to all your podcast episodes and your trainings. And there's so many advantages to that. And they really understand the journey that they're on. And they have these basic skills of oral and written communication and self-discipline and things like that. Now it's a matter of like, well, what does it mean to actually be a community manager? And that's a teachable skill. So do you have these people in your community? Are they both full-time? Are they both part-time? What does that look like? I'm glad you asked that because that's actually just what I was going to speak into. So we have two community managers who really just operate in the Facebook group. They're both part-time. They're still in the classroom. They work anywhere from five to 10 hours per week, just in kind of their pockets of time as moms, as teachers, you know, as wives, like they have all, they have their own thing, right? In life. And they just wanted to do this. You know, for them, it was like, I just want to be a part of something cool, you know, which I think is really powerful. Like, I love hiring people who believe so much in what you're doing that they're like, I don't even need to get paid. Of course, we pay them, but they're just so believe what you're doing. And then we also have our membership manager and our membership manager is Brooke, who you've been in communication with. And she manages like all the back end stuff, you know, our retention. So there are two very different roles in our business and the way that we're doing things. So our community managers are really just there in the Facebook group, answering questions, providing support, making sure that every single member feels seen. Yeah. And that's nice because if you're listening to this right now and it is just you, 
and in your head, you've been saying, I can't afford a community manager. I'm not ready to hire somebody. This concept of just getting somebody for five or 10 hours a week to support you in your community, knowing you're still going to be doing a lot of the back end stuff, you're still going to be guiding that individual into what you're looking for. But it at least gives your community some more support and gives you some time to not necessarily be working so much in your business, right? But getting to work on the business and step back and work from a strategic perspective. So it can start with just having somebody there supporting for five to 10 hours a week inside of your community. Which kind of ties into the next thing that I was going to talk about is really just making sure for us, like customer service is the number one thing. And I don't know if it's because I've worked in customer service. I used to answer phones for my dad's company when I worked for US sports camps. You know, I was always in customer service in some capacity. And I just know how important every single touch point is for every single person. And so when we didn't have a community manager and people would post in the Facebook group and they wouldn't get a comment for two, three, four days, how does that make that person feel? They feel forgotten. They feel unseen. Why did I even put, was that a dumb question? Should I not have asked that? And so they go into all this narrative to themselves because that's just what we do as humans. And I don't ever want somebody to feel that way. And so for me, I felt like the biggest return on my investment for the company was to have a community manager, was to have somebody in there because I couldn't be in there at all hours of the day making sure that our members feel heard. And I would say if there's the number one thing that we do is we make sure that our members 100% feel supported 100% of the time. No one comments in our Facebook group. We have 5,100 members. I don't even know how many posts a day, hundreds probably. No one posts in our group without receiving a comment from at least someone on Team EB within 24 hours ever. And that to me is so, so important because I've been in Facebook groups where there's 100 people and I comment and no one responds to me. I'm like, well, I'm not going to come back. I'm just going to go somewhere else to find the answer to my question. And our whole goal is to be here to support you, is to help you, is to change your life. And we're not doing that and we're not doing right by you or we're not doing that mission justice if we're not responding to your messages. So I think that that is incredibly, incredibly important. It's funny that you say this for a couple of reasons. One is Caitlin doesn't know this because we're recording this before this episode releases. But my podcast episode that's releasing next week is actually on customer service. And I, I showcase a two customer service issues, one that went really well and one that went really bad. And talk about how customer service is your brand. Like that, that is your brand. So by the time this releases, that will be gone, but that's coming. That's how passionate I am about that as well. Um, but the thing I love about this is that is clearly something that's really important to you. And I know it's not to every membership owner. Some membership owners want to, you know, create more space or see their community step in or let people figure it out amongst themselves. Their community has a different purpose, but I love that you're really clear on that. So you have that standard set, you know what that standard is. But having that just shows that you're living up to the identity and the values that you're talking about. Because I heard you talk about integrity, right? I heard you talk about, I think, something like the wow experience. And in order to provide that, to live out the wow, to live out integrity, this is how you show up in your community. So it just, it aligns so much with this is the identity of an EB teacher. It's the identity of an EB teacher because this is our identity as a team as well. And that means that this is how we show up. And so you're modeling for them 
how to show up as an EB teacher in the way that you show up for them. And I want to actually give you an example and tell you a story. We had this teacher last week, Shauna, who sent us probably five emails and we responded to every single email, but it was showing that they weren't being read. And her complaint and frustration was she was not getting our emails. And I'm like, okay, well, how can we help this teacher? So literally our entire team of 10 team members on EB got together and we're like, how can we reach out to her? We tried to Facebook direct message her nothing. We're like, do we have a cell phone number from her? Can we text her? And finally, I was able to post, I posted into the Facebook group like me, hey, Shauna, we're trying to get a hold of you. We've sent you a couple of emails and messages over the last couple of days. Like, can you let us know that you've seen at least this post? And to me, this is one member. This is one teacher of 3,700 teachers in our, in our membership, of 5,100 teachers in our community. But every person matters. And I think that that is the perfect example of our core values as a team, as a community, of what it means to be a part of EB Academics, 100% living out the expectation of what that means. Hey friend, if you have an online program, you know the importance of having customer success stories and testimonials. Well, what if I told you I have a proven system that will help you unlock more stories from your program and keep them organized in a way that will allow you to have the right story for the right person at the right time. I want you to go to streamlinedstorysystem.com to check it out. And when you're there, Use code CREATORS to get a special discount for being a podcast listener. All right, back to the episode. Uh, Well, Caitlin, that is such a great story because it shows the impact of what you've done and what you all have created with this EB teacher community and what that means. But it also speaks to that ripple effect. And you can't have that kind of ripple effect if you don't give that kind of service and model the behavior that you want to see the teachers have for themselves. So I'm just grateful to you. I'm grateful. I love your passion. Can I just say like your passion for what you do is contagious. And so if you're listening to this right now and you're like, how does she have thousands of members? And I've only got like 200. Maybe do a little check and be like, do I actually care about what I'm doing as much as she does? Because clearly like... Kaylin, you have been the teacher that needed EB Academics, and now you've created EB Academics along with Jessica, and you guys have built something beautiful, and you're so confident in what it makes possible for your teachers that you can just tell that you all are all in. You're all in on the experience, and granted, yes, you said you've created this over time, which is true, but I think it starts with having that kind of passion for the experience you want to create and for the people that you're serving, because that's the only thing that is going to give you the motivation and the energy when you have 94 or 95% retention to go not good enough. How do we create a better experience? How do we help more people get more results and stay with us for longer? And that's what you all have done, which is just absolutely amazing. So if you were to give just one piece of advice to somebody who's kind of venturing into this concept of how do I create a really incredible experience for people in my program? Or how do I help them really establish an identity? Is there is there one thought that you would leave them with? Well, two. One, I would work with you because you are fantastic. Um, <laughs> I didn't pay her to say that. I'll just throw that out there. Um, but two, I think it starts with you. 
And I, I think what you just said speaks exactly into that. It starts with you as the leader. And I think it starts with who you are as a person and what you think is possible and what your why is and why you're here, why you're showing up, why it matters to you. And, you know, I think a lot of people have great ideas. I was just working with my brother. He's working with a company who has a struggling membership site. Their churn is 15%. And I'm like, well, there are a lot of things that we could work on, you know, and this is great because it's an opportunity, you know, we can only go up from here. And I think it all stems from great leadership. And I think that as the leader of your company or the leader of your community, what does great leadership mean to you? What does that look like? Because your community is going to be looking to you for what it means to be a part of what you're doing. And if you aren't living up to those ideals and you aren't living up to those core values, they're going to be able to see right through that. So I think it starts here, just like with anything. It starts with who you are. And I would spend a lot of time really nurturing what you think is important to that identity piece and then sharing that with the masses, with your communities. So good. We've talked about this before in the in the mastermind that we're a part of, but how it does come back to you and it comes back to who you are as a leader. Because if you're not leading people well, you can't possibly direct them. You can't possibly guide them or cultivate this kind of community that you're talking about. So it starts with you. I love that. Thank you so much, Caitlin. And if you're not already in love with Caitlin and just like excited about what she's doing, you will be when you listen to her podcast. So uh, you have a podcast. You guys are obviously serving teachers. So it's not like teaching people how to grow a business. But I say this all the time whenever I interview somebody who isn't necessarily serving business owners. You still need to look at what's happening in spaces that are not your own. Because if you're only listening to people who are giving you advice on how to grow a business, you're missing seeing it modeled. You're missing the experience. And even just people coming through my program recently, I, I got this message about somebody saying, I've already taken so many notes and all I've done is gone through your onboarding. Like you haven't taught me anything yet, but you've taught me everything. And it's the same kind of concept that I want people to have when I'm telling you to go subscribe to Caitlin's podcast and listen to her podcast because I guarantee you, you're going to hear how she is seeding this identity of an EB teacher through the podcast before people are ever a paid member of her program. So Caitlin, what is the name of the podcast? Yeah, so it's called the Teaching Middle School ELA Podcast. Very original. I know. And we actually have a great episode coming out. I think it's airing in September. We just recorded it yesterday. But it's called Why Schools Should Be More Like Sports. And I think that that whole concept is applicable to business too. You know, really why business should be more like sports and we should treat the things that we do in, in business like athletics. So if, even if you're not an athlete, you know, I would put that on your radar because I think that there are so many life skills and so many things that we can learn and apply from athletics and from sports that I would definitely make sure to take a listen to that one. Is your podcast on YouTube as well? Because some people are watching on YouTube. Okay. Yeah. You have your, the. it's the same like mine, right? Community creators, you can find it on podcasts or you can find it on YouTube. It's the same thing with teaching middle school ELA and you can connect with and subscribe there so that you can see what it's like to have this modeled out in everything that you do. Because if you haven't felt this passion, this culture oozing from Caitlin, I'm sure you will definitely get more of that when you listen to the podcast and the YouTube channel. So Caitlin, thank you so much for coming and speaking to us about this. You know, my heart is just fluttering hearing how you guys have taken some basic 
concepts and have really owned it. And then the results that that's given you, not just from a business perspective and what you've seen with your membership growth and your retention, but how that has been implemented in your team. And then the ripple effect that that's having across the lives of your teachers and the thousands and thousands and thousands of students' lives that they're impacting. So Caitlin, you're amazing friend. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It was wonderful. Okay. So isn't Caitlin just amazing? And how incredible that she has more than 97% retention in her membership of thousands. I love how passionate she is. And I'm so grateful that she came and shared these very clear strategies of how to create a strong culture and an amazing member experience that keeps people staying around longer. If you know anybody who is a membership site owner or a want-to-be membership site owner, I encourage you to share this with them right now because what Caitlin is talking about is something that most membership site owners never learn and it's why churn is so high for most memberships. So do them a favor, do yourself a favor, send this to a friend who has a membership site right now and if you liked this episode, please take a moment, give me a rating and a review. Grateful for you. Hey friend, thanks for listening. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe. Then do me a favor and leave a review letting me know what you want to hear more of. To learn more about the show or connect with me, head to shanalyn.com. That's S-H-A-N-A-L-Y-N-N.com. Until next time.